Hello, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. I'm Nicole Lakin. And I'm Tim Warden, and we're going to dive into more detail about the microbiome today. Yeah, this is a fascinating one. We talk a lot, well, probably not enough, but it's been a topic more commonly discussed lately, at least in the human space for sure. We're hearing about the microbiome all the time, and we're also talking about it a lot more in the context of our equine partners. And we've had some previous episodes on this topic, but today we're getting into some early research into how the microbiota can impact other systems in the body. And it's super logical and makes sense. And it's really great to see that there's some real research and really smart people behind it that are looking into all these interesting avenues of not just what impacts the microbiota can have, but also in the long term, how we might be able to prevent some of the development of disease in different systems in the horse that are related to the microbiome. So yeah, this is a good one. I think you guys are going to like it. So after graduating as a doctor of veterinary medicine in Brazil, Dr. Marcio Costa moved to Guelph, Ontario, which is my hometown, just a little shit out there, to complete his residency in large animal internal medicine, as well as a PhD, in which he pioneered the use of DNA sequencing to characterize the intestinal microbiota of horses. Currently, he is an associate professor at the University of Montreal, working on methods of microbiota manipulation to treat diseases and improve animal performance. Hi, Marcio, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. Hi, thank you very much for having me here. So this is a topic that I really am not familiar with at all. We've had one guest on before who, who touched on it briefly, but I'm really excited to learn, learn lots today. So I came across a recent publication of yours in the journal Animals that discussed the gut-lung axis and potential implications for equine asthma. So to begin, can you tell us a little bit about that gut-lung axis and how microbiota in the gut can have an impact on a distant organ, in this case, the lungs? Yes, absolutely. So I'd like to start also highlighting that asthma is not my field of expertise. I work on microbiome and I'm collaborating in this uh, field with uh, Professor Mathieu Leclerc. So I think to start, it's important to understand why we are now talking about this kind of axis, the lung gut, and what has changed. As we know, in the past, we used to, to do bacterial culture to study the microbiota uh, of animals and environment and humans. But now what we do is DNA sequencing. So we have, or we had in the past, a limited capacity of growing bacteria. So for the vast majority of time, they remain unknown. About 80% of them remain unknown. And after we started doing DNA sequencing, we could discover many new species and we could discover that they were actually present in environments that we thought before that were supposed to be sterile, like the lungs. So having said that, we also discovered that there are many more species in the gut than what we thought, especially in the gut of horses, that they have quadrillions of bacteria, and they are somehow very important because they are all the time producing metabolites that are absorbed by those horses, and they can go into the bloodstream and they can act and go to different places of the body, like the liver, the lung, and even the brain. So now we understand better this communication between the gut bacteria, or also called microbiome or microbiota, 
and how they can influence other sides of the body. So the first research they started doing was really descriptive, comparing the microbiome in the lung of horses with asthma and with healthy animals. And what they found is that they have a different type of bacteria down there. We should also mention that the lung has what we call a low biomass environment. So there are not a lot of bacteria there, but there are some, and it's difficult to study because to study that, there is a lot of contamination and a lot of technical problems. And we are really at the beginning of this field, okay? So now we are starting to understand that the bacteria that lives there, they're not bad bacteria. Normally, when we talk about bacteria, we have this misconcept that they are bad, but the vast majority of bacteria are actually harmless. They are necessary and they actually protect us from the bad guys. So they live there. They are constantly stimulating the immune system. They are competing with bad bacteria and we call that uh, commensal organisms or commensal bacteria, meaning that they are not harmful. They can be if there is an imbalance, but normally they will live there without any problems. Okay. You can interrupt me or ask questions as I, <laughs> I talk, but uh, I'll, I'll carry on talking. So we know now also that, for example, in humans, they have many studies proposing what we call the hygiene hypothesis, okay? That tell us that if people are colonized by a low diversity microbiota, meaning they are not exposed to a lot of different types of bacteria, they can become more susceptible to allergic diseases like skin problems or even asthma, okay? We call that the hygiene hypothesis. That has not been 100% proved, so it is, remains as a hypothesis, but many studies show a very clear impact of the type of bacteria colonizing the gut and the importance of this bacteria in the immune regulation. So we know now that if you are not exposed to a lot of different types of bacteria when you are young, if you get in contact with them when you are older, you're going to develop a hyper response, like a hyper inflammation state. They're going to be hyper reactive. When they see these bacteria that they no, never saw before, they're going to fight that, thinking that those are enemies. Okay. And that's when people, or at least part of the theory, why a lot of people now develop what we call the inflammatory bowel diseases, because they think that the body is fighting against those bacteria. And we know that depending on the type of bacteria and what they are producing, this can cause inflammation, not only of the gut, but also systemic. So that's why we think it might be a link between inflammation or subclinical inflammation in the gut and hyperreactivity of the immune system in the lungs. We have also shown that, for example, Birds with a different types of microbiome, they might respond differently to vaccines. And why is that? That's because of the impact of the intestinal bacteria on the immune system regulation. Okay, this is now very clear. So we have this also this hypothesis, which is not proven, it's not very clear, that in horses, 
there might be some predisponent factors linked to the microbiome that could also be influencing the development of the disease in, uh, in these species. Okay. There are not many studies. There is one study from Chris Proudman from University of Surrey, where it's actually a report, not even a study, where he shows that foals that got exposed to antibiotics, they are more likely to develop respiratory problems early in life. So those are little pieces of a big puzzle that we are putting together to try to prove or to find the link between gut bacteria and uh, allergic diseases or asthma in horses. Interesting. It's fascinating to hear all those, and as you described it, little puzzle pieces, right? Like a little bit off topic, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on what would be the next step forward? Like you mentioned like some of the logistical issues with collecting some of this data, right? But in an ideal world with unlimited budget and some of those logistical challenges removed, how would you design a study to, to maybe further answer some of those questions? Would it be like looking at a large population of, you know, maybe sport horses that and, and part of them that yeah. grows up in more natural environment or the other half grows up in a more what I would say, like modern type stable environment that compare, or or how would you, how would you look at that? That's a fascinating field, but I don't see any study in the near future evaluating that in horses. Why? Because we would have to follow up the foals from the day they are born until they become adults, until they be, they develop asthma. And we know that young horses develop a different type of asthma, a different type of immune cells. So we have to follow up them until they are old. I have actually proposed that one kind of study to experts like to Dr. Jean-Pierre Lavoie, who is the one of the most, uh, the major experts in this field, and to other people also. And they were very fascinated with the idea, but also disencouraged with the difficulties and financial restriction that we have to do a study like that especially considering the time and follow-up of those horses. It's just impossible to predict, like, let's say 15% of the horses would develop asthma, which is the high end. How many horses would have to follow up from the day they are born until they to have a statistical number of animals that we could withdraw good conclusions? So I think it's very impossible at the moment. <laughs> yeah. But, for sure, we would have to follow up and do a lot of immune testing and microbiota studies and so many different factors that could impact that, like the use of antibiotics. It can change completely. It can devastate the microbiome of those horses or if they develop diarrhea at some point in their lives, this also can have an impact on, on the recovery and composition of the microbiome. And the diet they will get once they become athletes, if they become athletes, or we are talking about blood mares. So there are so many different factors that I don't see how we can do that right now. Just one thing I really wanted to ask about, and it came up in my mind earlier. You, like you mentioned like something like antibiotics, like just absolutely mm -hmm. devastating the microbiome. Has anyone studied like sort of what the time course of that is? Like how long does it take for the microbiome to to bounce back from, or does it ever yeah. bounce back? I did. <laughs> it okay. was actually a, <laughs> a project of my PhD that many other people have repeated this study after. And it's a consensus that 30 days later, 
after we finish the use of antibiotics, the microbiome is kind of recovered to a baseline. However, I should say that like in humans and in dogs, some horses, they don't recover that fast. I have data showing that they stay in a state of dysbiosis. And by dysbiosis, I mean an abnormal composition of the microbiome. They stay for longer time, like sometimes three months. And in dogs, for example, they are starting to link those animals with the ones that will develop inflammatory diseases later. So the dog is fine. They don't have any problems, but they have this underlying dysbiosis. And this, they are starting to think that might be the cause of some diseases that uh, like IBDs or that they can develop later. So in horses, we really don't know what are the consequences of this dysbiosis. And we might find out that in the future. Fascinating. However, really I... Interesting, yeah. Yeah, sorry, just to, to complement that, I'd also say that there is an overuse of antibiotics, right? Uh, especially by vets in the field, which I don't blame them because they have a restricted capacity of doing diagnosis like blood testing or culturing. So what they do is just start the horse on antibiotics before it gets, in case it's really a bacterial infection and before it gets too late that they can have long-term consequences so everybody starts them on antibiotics and it's very rare animals that don't get at least some course of antibiotics during the lifespan so but yeah there is a huge overuse of antibiotics and we don't know the consequence of that yeah i can imagine i mean we hear it a lot even in the news now talking about a antibiotic resistant bacteria and that's uh, showing up all over the place. So I can imagine it would be the same in horses and dogs and all around. Shifting gears a little bit, just coming back to the link between the microbiota and equine asthma. I, I know that many of the recommendations relate to altering the environment for a patient, for example, avoiding like certain types of bedding in the stall increasing the time that, the, that a horse spends outside or uh, avoiding, you know, contaminated forage or, or trying to, to wet it or steam it. Since it seems increasingly like the microbiota does have some impact on, on the severity of asthma, what would you say the next steps would be for managing this beyond uh, altering environment? That's a logical thinking. But however, I don't think we are at the point where we can make recommendations related to the microbiome right now. And I will explain why I think that. The first thing is because all of the factors you mentioned, beautifully stated, they are very well known factors that can trigger the inflammation of the lungs and they can exacerbate the asthma. So all of those recommendations should be continuously done to manage asthma, okay? So there is no question, there is nothing to change and there are no further recommendations we can make at this point. But for example, we did a very fishing expedition comparing the fecal microbiome of horses with asthma compared to healthy horses. And those are horses in remission. And then we induced this observation of the disease by changing the, the diets and exposing them to those uh, moldy haze. And what we saw is that the regulation of the microbiome was a little bit different between 
diseased and healthy horses. So, for example, healthy horses, they had a huge increase in one type of bacteria that we expect them to have, but not the sick horses with asthma. And this bacteria is kind of beneficial. It's a bacteria that can produce volatile fatty acids, which now we know they can stimulate the production of mucus in the intestinal, by the intestinal cells, and they can keep the microbiome, the bacteria, away from the intestine mucosa. And so we think that these horses with asthma might be prejudicated by the lack of this bacteria or by adapting the microbiome in a different way. Maybe this is a little bit too specific, but what I wanted to say is that maybe in the future, we will be recommending microbiome manipulation as an adjunction of the treatment that we have right now with steroids or bronchodilators to help those horses to decrease the inflammation in the gut if the gut inflammation is actually worsening the systemic inflammation when they, they have asthma, which makes completely sense, right? If the lungs inflamed, there are consequences all over the body, including the intestines. And if the intestines are under inflammation, you, you might have uh, the bacteria affected and this might have other consequences. So it's a kind of a circle that if you can break, like we have shown, for example, in, in puppies with viral diarrhea, we do what we call fecal transplantation. We give them feces from a healthy dog. We break the cycle and they stop the diarrhea. Like it's a viral diarrhea, but still you can break that. You can shorten the, the incidence of the diarrhea just by restoring the ecosystem. But we are very far from showing an easy way to manipulate the microbiome of horses. This is actually my field of interest. I do studies on fecal transplantation, development of new probiotics. And it's very, very difficult to change the sickle and the colonic flora, or I should say microbiome of those horses. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was thinking as you as you were answering my last question that it would be interesting when you are forced to to give an antibiotic if if we had a good course for example of treatment or additional strategies to help the microbiome recover more quickly and reduce the likelihood of of creating the inflammation that can then wreak havoc throughout the rest of the horse's systems. Yes. So part of my research <laughs> is to induce dysbiosis in horses by giving them antibiotics. So we banish the microbiome and now we try to restore it with a physical transplant or with probiotics. Okay. So I should say that it's very limited impact from the transplant. The healthy animals, the untreated animals, they recover as fast as the ones getting the, the physical transplantation. But maybe that's not the best model. And the other thing to consider is that while on, on antibiotics, it's kind of useless to use probiotics because they are live bacteria. And if the antibiotics you are using is targeting those kind of bacteria, you are actually wasting your money. You are throwing that bacteria <laughs> in the garbage because they, they're going to be dead anyways. If the owner wants to use probiotics, I recommend them to use after they stop the treatment with antibiotics, which makes more sense. But it's also very limited evidence that probiotics can help restoring, restoring the distal gut microbiota 
And because of that, we we always discuss with the owners saying, look, those are the options. If you want to do something, this is the way to go. But be aware that it, it might not even be a difference. Interesting. Well, this is all all really fascinating. It's definitely a lot of food for thought. And just thinking about athletic courses and maybe getting away from equine asthma a little bit and just thinking about the microbiome more generally and some of the systemic inflammatory aspects of that. Are there certain areas that you think are are really interesting, uh, sort of future directions for, you know, like the microbiome? And I would say like in most staples, like maybe increasingly it is thought about, but I would say like 10 years ago, no one was really thinking about that with athletic courses. But if we start to pay more and more attention to that, are there certain aspects of the microbiome that would be impacting performance? That's for sure. For example, they went to evaluate the microbiome of uh, endurance, high-performance endurance athletes in humans. And they found that all the winning runners, they had one species of bacteria, bacterium that was very more abundant than the other people. And they were able to isolate this bacteria, bacterium called uh, Valonella. And they gave that to mice. And they saw that the mice receiving this new probiotic, they had an increase in average of 13% in their performance, athletic performance. So that was very intriguing. And they were able to prove that the mechanism by which the bacteria was helping those mice was through the transformation of lactic acid that is produced during exercise. They were getting that from the blood that crossed the intestinal barrier. They were transforming, they were using that acid as a food energy, and they were transforming that into pyruvate, which could now be absorbed back by the horse and used as an energy source by the humans, sorry, by the mice in this case, because it was uh, studying lab animals. So the theory is that the muscles produce something that are harmful and toxic, and the bacteria can get that and return with a coin, an energy coin. So I have no question that I, I follow and I collaborate. I'm a big fan of a researcher called Nuria Ma. She works in, in France and she has shown that there might be the same type of metabolites in horses, in endurance horses that are produced or pathways that are activated by metabolites produced by the gut bacteria also in horses. Okay. I have no doubt that in the future, we might use those species that are beneficial in this way in a kind of a supplementation for athletes that can help to improve performance. Yeah, and the other the other field that is very well developed in humans, and we are starting to work on this, including Nuria, Dr. Ma, in which we call the gut-brain axis, okay? So there are as many connections or neural connections from the brain into the gut as in the spinal cord. So we know that this is a huge line of communication between the gut, the intestine, and the brain. We know that by humans, we say all the time that we have gut feelings. We, we say all the time that we know we're going to do an important presentation. We get diarrhea or if we change environment, we get constipation. And there is a very clear and proven association between the type of bacteria and occurrence of diseases like or conditions like depression 
or mood changes in mood. And this is very well established in, in humans. And Nuria Max is also showing that, and other researchers, they are showing that the behavior of horses is also linked and associated with the type of bacteria they have in the gut. So stressed horses, they are more likely to have certain type of bacteria than horses that are calmer. And this in the future, we might also use modulation of the composition of the gut microbiota to help the behavior, to change the behavior of those animals. Fascinating. I'm, yeah. I'm almost thinking like to an extent, or I guess like how easy is it to modulate? Like you mentioned like fecal transplants. And is it a situation where some horses are responsible better responders than others to it as well. Mm-hmm. Like some horses, you can do that transplant and then like that change will will stay with like the bacterial composition. And then some horses, you can make that transplant and initially sort of grabs and then, you know, two, three months down the road, it sort of reverts back to what was original. Yeah, this is a, a great point, which also fascinates me. And in humans, in dogs and other species, it's very easy to do fecal transplantation because you transplant millions of bacteria, but the most efficient way to do that is by enema. So intrarectal, you transfer all this liquid directly into the place where they belong to. But horses, they have a very long part, the the last part of the intestine, which is the small column before the rectum, is really, really long, up to three meters. So it's very difficult to do enema. And therefore, we are stuck with the oral or intragastric route. So we have to pass an isogastric tube. We can even increase a little bit the pH of the stomach. And then we, we give the, the transplant in, inside of the stomach. And this, in my opinion, kills most of the bacteria. And there are some research showing that, that these bacteria don't colonize the horse. They get there completely dead. There are some reports that say they can be efficient in restoring the microbiome of horses with diarrhea, but they are not very well controlled studies. Okay, they don't have like a control, well controlled population in the same hospital using horses with the same severity of diarrhea. So we still don't know if that's true or not. Okay. And this is like you can cut later, but it's more like curiosities. Part of my research is to to develop new methods to increase the capacity to colonize the gut of horses. So we created a protocol to concentrate bacteria and we gave concentrated bacteria to horses and we were able to modulate the microbiome. But the results were not very as expected because they went in a wrong direction. Let's put it this way to make it simple to understand. There was an overgrowth of some bacteria like Ischerichia, that are not very good bacteria in the solution we gave to the horses. So because we were able to cause a shift in the microbiome, but in a wrong direction, not the way we wanted. So we cannot recommend the protocol of horse research. We used a small number of horses, but we are working on that. But I can tell it's very difficult to change the, the intestinal microbiota of horses. I'm curious, all of these areas of research seem fascinating when it comes to treating these things, but have you spent any time thinking about the implications of, for example, for the perspective of prevention? So the diets of of young horses and 
based on where a horse is is located regionally, like what kind of things should be done to try and prevent a healthy microbiome or sorry, doesn't yes. prevent to to support yeah, to encourage microbiome. yeah yeah, yes. yeah th that's a very good point and i actually started teaching that to undergrad students showing the evidence is that uh, about the importance of the microbiome and what we know is that if we change well the first thing is exposure to antibiotics right some foals are heavily exposed to antibiotics to treat pulmonary disease or even diarrhea simple diarrhea that would resolve by itself and we use antibiotics even without any further clinical worsening of the foal the foal is fine it's eating but it has a transient diarrhea and they are treated with antibiotics that's not really necessary and the other thing is related to the diet as we have to increase the amount of energy in to those animals because they will become athletes ideally they would be eating only pasture or hay that we know it's associated with a more diverse i i reluctant to say better microbiome but it's a more diverse different composition and i would say it's more related to what they have been selected in nature to have but as we start giving them a lot of non-structural structural carbohydrates as we also call that concentrate to increase the amount of energy they require to perform well we also change the microbiome this is very well established in horses so if we can make recommendations that would be to to supplement the less concentrate the better that's for the microbiome but we understand that this is impossible especially for athletes so maybe there are strategies that we need to investigate better for example the use of fat or oils that can give them a big portion of that energy that they required without increasing too much the carbohydrates or non-structural carbohydrates and that's because the digestion of those animals of this food it has a capacity and if you are not able to feed your horse many times per day and you give them a big meal of concentrate feed in the morning this is not going to be fully digested by the horse and it's going to end up in the cecum and it's going to be fermented by the bacteria and there is when you start having problems that's when you, you you decrease the ph you kill a lot of species of bacteria and you have chronic problems so if I could make recommendations would be to develop new strategies to increase the energy without having a huge impact in the, the microbiome. Yeah, just fascinating. I think we're we're sort of at the end of our time with you, Marcio, but I, I think this conversation could keep going on just because there are so many questions <laughs> to invest or to investigate. So uh, we'll for sure be having mm -hmm. you back if you're open to that. That'll be a pleasure, yes. But we always finish these conversations with one final question, and it's a bit of a silly question, mm -hmm. but if you could speak directly to a horse and that horse could understand you, what would you want to tell them? <laughs> I think, you know, the same as we talk to the kids, uh, eat your vegetables, <laughs> eat your salad. <laughs> so I'd say don't listen to your trainer or just, you know, if they could refuse the huge amount of 
concentrate food uh, that it might be in a long term associated with incidence, high incidence of intestinal disease, which is the major cause of mortality in horses. So not only diarrhea, but also colic and high production of gas, which is also associated with a lot of types of colic. So I think the diets really what we have changed from horses in nature. And if I could tell them, try to, to be as natural as possible, that would be my recommendation to them. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it was a pleasure. Very, very interesting questions. Very good participating. Thank you for your interest in this field, which I agree it's fascinating. I think we're both really, really glad that we were able to get Marcio on to cover this topic. It's for sure outside of my area and or in sort of what I'm comfortable diving into, but just really, really fascinating to hear about the work that's being done right now. It's it's such a new field. I think if you went back and looked 10 or 15 years ago, there'd be nothing on this topic in horses. And then it's, it's rapidly growing. And I think if you look 10, 15 years into the future, I think it'll probably be one of the more popular research areas and it'll begin to attract more and more funding. And I think it's just going to become top of mind for for everyone in the industry. So really, really cool to hear those to hear those thoughts from him. The one take home for me is it's sort of a wide ranging conversation where we, you know, we start out discussing a specific condition, which is equine asthma, and then we get a bit more general just in terms of overall, you know, horse well horse wellness and as well as performance. And, you know, some topics come up like antibiotics and different uh, impacts that may affect the microbiota. But everything's situational, right? Like situations are situational. And like, of course, there are going to be those times where you need to use antibiotics. And I think Marcio just covered that really well. But then there are other times where would a situation resolve itself without antibiotics? Like most times it's would. So it's, it's really, really difficult to navigate that. And it, it just highlights like how complex you know, veterinary care and, and horse care are in general, because you're always weighing the pros and cons of doing a certain treatment, if a, a certain therapy. So overall, just a really, really fascinating conversation. And I'm looking forward to doing a, a follow-up in a couple of years, because I think it'll be completely different. We will have taken so many more strides forward. So really, really glad we had Marcio and, and really, really glad that he's diving into this topic in his own research. Yeah, for sure. I think to echo your point, there's a lot of cases where maybe in, in hindsight, we would have done things a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, when you're presented with a horse who is exhibiting, you know, one symptom or another, in general, I think people try to do the best they can with the information and resources that they have. And we're just lucky that Marcio is doing the work that he's doing because he's going to give us a lot more information eventually. What the early findings are and the early work is is really, really exciting and I think could open so many doors and really fascinating. And and as we talked about a little bit, it's not just about treating. It's also about prevention and thinking about preventing some of these systemic diseases that have a clear and direct tie and connection to the microbiota. So really exciting stuff. And we can't wait to have Marcio back, like you said, in a couple of years and, and see what else he's learned and what other data he has to share with us. So on that note, that's a wrap for today's episode. You can find all of our show notes at www.sporthorsepodcast.com. Be sure to also follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to 
us on now, as well as on Instagram and Facebook. We have a lot of cool stuff that we're starting to post on social media about some of the other events and projects that our parent company Ignite has going on. So definitely give us a follow so that you can stay up to date with all of that. And here's to keeping your sport horse happy and healthy. 